Hey, little bayonet, you son of a bitch. How many times have we tried to kill each other? There may be 20 different episodes to speak of. I bet I can think of something from each and every one. Now, I'm not one to start wars. A new hope was that we could be friends. But even though I am clearly from Austria, it is obvious that my daughter was made in America. And if you hurt her, I will kick your ass up and down the road. And we'll call that road Beat Street. Oh, it will be a clash of the titans, Bennett. I'll hit you with a bat, man. And I'll be sure to use Megaforce. But I won't hold the grudge, Bennett. You'll be blown away when you see what a quick change I'll make from wishing you would die hard to inviting you to a caddy shack where we can have a Coke and get a pair of binoculars and we can follow that bird flying overhead. But then, in the distance, I see a group of mystery men and I'll know that you betrayed me yet again. Then I'll say, there's no way out, you son of a bitch. Then I'll see my daughter and say, she's the one. I'll say, it's Pat, briefly, forgetting my daughter's actual name. Then I will electrocute everyone. When they're zapped, I'll say something like, get ready for rush hour, because that sounds good. But then I'll take a break from electrocuting people because I like to show girls a good time. And this is my first daughter, after all. So I must take her for ice cream and then we'll feed a deer. Anyway, Bennett, all that matters is what's happening this week. So now I'm going to say something cool like, sweet dreams, Bennett. And then I'm going to take the jagged edge of this knife and make an opening in your weekend. Oh, also... I won't be wearing any underwear when I do all this, which means that I'll be going without underwears. Now I just have to think of something with the word commando. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. Welcome to Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week we celebrate our 20th episode by heading back to the 1980s and revisiting the three major releases of October 4th, 1985. Commando, Sweet Dreams, and Jagged Edge. But before we dig in, where were we all in the fall of 1985? 1985. First of all, happy 20th episode. Happy gentlemen. 20th Yay. episode. 20, 20 episodes. Yay. And for the for the last 20 weeks, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to see your beautiful faces and hear your lovely voices. I know. Uh 20 episodes, crazy. Uh let me see. 1985, around this time. I'll tell you where I was. So we discussed this year couple mm-hmm. weeks ago when we were talking about weird science mm-hmm. and fright night. And at that point, oh, right. I was studying to become a man. <gasps> by this time, by Jewish law, I was a man. Yeah. Mazel. Now, is it, whether that was from my bar mitzvah or from watching weird science, that's the question. I don't know. <laughs> it's a little, <laughs> little bit of both. A little, little bit, bit of both. A little bit of Haftorah, a little bit Kelly LeBrock. Yeah, it was all there. <laughs> so, yeah, my bar mitzvah was earlier in the month. So I was a couple of months as a, a fully formed Jewish man, which wow. meant I was already, I was, I was taking over Hollywood. 
I was right. uh, infiltrating the financial <laughs> sector. Now, what do you have to do up there, like actually in the ceremony? You have to read part of the, what is the Haftorah? The Haftorah, it's part of the Torah. It's a little a little bit of the Torah. Is it like half of the Torah? It's half kidding. the Torah. No, it's... <laughs> 50% less Torah. <laughs> <laughs> it's half Torah. After my bar mitzvah, I stopped going to Hebrew school, so I don't remember a thing. Oh, it was, yeah, it's, it's a portion of the Torah, and every month there's a different one that you're supposed to do. So I did the, I, I did the September portion of but do you have to like, on top of that, do you have to like do five minutes? I mean, do you have to like do like, you have to be like an I love my, my, do you have to like do my, what I mean, like, like, just, you have to essentially, yes, that's what I'm asking. You have to like do a set at some point, like say, and my mother and my father and my sister well, and my aunts you know, and uncles and do the whole schmear. It, it's different. I think it depends. The, the traditional bar mitzvah is you go and you study this portion of the Haftorah, you learn it, you learn the, there's a melody to it. And then you go up there and you basically, it's it's like a, a regular temple service, but you go okay. up there and you perform, you do your half Torah. But then there are other ones. Like I remember I was always angry. My, my, my friend, Josh Kleinberg, he went to a much more like liberal progressive temple and for uh-huh. his bar mitzvah, like he didn't, there was no Hebrew spoken. He didn't have to learn his half Torah. He gave a speech about helping the poor or something you know is very that's what i mean basically yeah, like and i just was like a- you motherfucker like i had to sit there for months and learn hebrew and get up there and you just wrote a speech you're like we should help people yay your bar mitzvah and i was like fuck you yeah you're not miss america for fuck's no, sake no but like i was sitting in a, in a small office with Cantor blum for months trying to learn this and so i felt like he, he got the easy way out but no that's what it was yeah. and then you have a party it's really just an excuse Right, for the for parents a big to throw party. a big party. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, which we, we had. I feel like Gentile boys really miss out because, uh, you know, you've got... <laughs> Said no one ever. Fuck you, Christmas. Well, well no, listen. <laughs> listen. You know, you, you get your... You get, there's the bar mitzvah. There must have been a party for my baptism at some point. Oh, um, sure. Which, but that was Thursday. That right. was Thursday. And you, you're still wet. Um <laughs> <laughs> when am I not? Um, there must have been a party. No. Now we were Catholic, so were you confirmed? Yes, I was confirmed. I guess that's okay, it. So that's the same and thing. What, around what age do we get confirmed? Is this now? About, no, that must be twelve, eleven, twelve years old. So this is around the same time. Well, that's now. around the same time. That's, that's, that's what you we know. get. All right, great. I just we wanted to make confirmed. sure I got mine. Do you remember your confirmation name? Yes, it was my uh, my grandfather's name. It was Eugene, which was. Uh, you know, a name that like in the 80s, Eugene was like synonymous with like nerd. So and sure I was is. already I was already a very nerdy kid. And so no. it was like it was like so painful to be like, OK, this is the right. This is the name I want to take. It's my grandfather's name. Good my grandfather's you. a cool guy. But Eugene is and Eugene's a very nice name. But it was just like in the in the culture at that time, it just had like a very nerdy connotation i don't know if there's a eugene in revenge of the nerd everybody everybody oh no nobody you don't walk around with you don't walk around saying your confirmation name all the time i wound up choosing my late grandfather's name uh who was stan and there's no saint stan you got to pick a saint fred so you got to figure out who the heck you're gonna what's saint and you got to research the saint so the closest thing was stanislaus so my confirmation name is stanislaus Mm. can you believe it Wow. It's crazy. You were destined to become an actor. An yeah, actor. yeah, really. Right? Exactly. Like Stanislavski. Isn't that crazy? Look and I did that. get that embroidered on a shirt. There are two 
huge things that that sort of happened at the bar mitzvah. And one of them was that I played drums in with a live band in front nice. of people for the first time because you were rocking. You know, my dad ran a, a business for years. It was Alstan Orchestras. He was a band leader. And so, you know, of course we had a really great band playing there. He put it together. It was all awesome. his musicians. So that was the big thing. We were leading up to me playing the drums. So I played Power of Love. Huey Lewis. in the news. <gasps> yeah. And then I played Inside Out by Phil Collins. And my dad sang on that one. Oh my God. Oh, nice. And that, oh was, my that, God. Was a, that was a big, heavy drum song. But I remember Power of Love. Like I'd, I'd practice all these songs with my drum teacher, Bobby LaMonica, who was there watching me the whole time. So I was really, you know, I wanted to make him proud. Oh, and all my friends, Josh and Ryan Bell and Chris Marin, all these other kids who were drummers. I was like, I don't want to fuck up in front of them. And I remember sitting there. I played in my basement. I practiced all the songs. And I would listen to the tape. But then when I got there, it suddenly dawns on me. I was like, holy shit, I have to play with these professional musicians now. Mm. And the guitarist who played with my dad, his name was Richie Cernigli, a wonderful guitarist, still plays to this day. Awesome. Great guy. I just remember he turned to me and we were starting with Power of Love and he's like, all right, Freddie, count it off. I was like, well, wait, holy you shit. You must have been shitting a brick. I was, and I'd never done that. I never counted off a band. And yeah. I, didn't know, I, I didn't know if I was going to do it wrong. And the song comes in on the, the th so I, I was like, okay. I, you know, one, two, three, bam. And thankfully, like we all came in at the right time yes. and we did it. We, I, we have it all on video and I watched it years ago and I'm re I'm concentrating, man. I, I am in it, but that was a huge moment just to be able to play with, you know, these actual musicians Legit in people, front of yeah. people. Yeah. Wow. That was amazing. And the other cool thing about it, and I forgot was that I must've, I must've told one of my relatives that I was. I wanted to get into comic books. I just started to really delve into comics around that time because I used to go to the, remember the, um, Dan, you probably don't know this, but Jason on Long Island, the Roosevelt Field Flea Market. Oh yeah. Did yeah. you guys ever go? So I would always yeah. go and I would get like my Van Halen bootlegs on tape and music <laughs> stuff. But I remember <laughs> discovering comics there. There'd be all these booths with, you know, old comics. And I started to slowly get into it. So one of my relatives, I don't know who it was, got me for my bar mitzvah gift, got me a huge stack of comics. And wow. it was sort of my oh, first wow. introduction. You know, obviously I remember reading them a little bit when I was a kid, but this is when I really got into them. And I, uh, and especially got into Daredevil. I never read Daredevil mm. before. And whoever it was just happened to get a bunch of, I remember there was a lot of Daredevil. There was a lot of X-Men. There was a lot of Spider-Man. So it was obviously they, they went for the Marvel. Yeah. And yeah. I ended up getting sub, a subscription to all three of those. And I got a subscription uh, and I remember the first Daredevil I got, that was right before the Frank Miller Born Again run came out, which was mm -hmm. a huge, I mean, that was what inspired his Batman run. And it was a really, it was a very edgy take on superheroes. As into comics as you were, was as into wrestling as I was at this time. I mean, it was an obsession and it was so fast it just like skyrocketed right right to the top so mm -hmm. you had i was already a big mets fan so it was like the mets and whatever hulk hogan was doing were the two were the two main <laughs> obsessions and probably empire strikes back and and all that were probably the three main obsessions of my life and probably your guys's too i would imagine i wasn't into the comics uh, as much but man if junkyard dog was doing anything <laughs> if uh, the iron sheik was acting up if uh you know if Rowdy Roddy Piper was breaking a coconut <laughs> over someone's head. Um, you know, the I Iron was Sheik was acting up. He was constantly <laughs> acting up and Sergeant Slaughter would have to step in. And uh, I, my sure. entire room, okay, this is my bedroom. I'll take you back, okay? I have over here, 
boom, giant poster of Lou Ferrigno, Lou Ferrigno as a uh, giant poster of Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. And it said the incredible uh-huh. Hulk. And he's, he's in the middle of a desert just flexing. I don't know why. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Hulk's in the desert. Yeah. Who, who knows what he's doing out oh, there? Yeah. Over here, big picture of Henry Winkler as the Fonz. <laughs> Huge poster. And he's got the two thumbs up. And it yes. says the Fonz. And you can imagine him saying, hey, Dan, have a good night. So good. <laughs> Over here is a giant pinwheel of sports um, <laughs> pennants, right? So the Mets, the Jets, boom, 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 all the way around the pinwheel. Mm-hmm. Teams I had no business, like the Golden State Warriors and stuff. It was just to finish out the wheel of pennants. Sure. Then every other square <laughs> inch of the walls were wrestling posters. And the entire, not not just posters, but like, pages cut out of pro wrestling illustrated and all the wrestling yeah. magazines all mm-hmm. over the walls and then the entire closet door was all andre the giant there was oh no wall God. there was you couldn't see the paint on the wall because it was covered in you know abdul the butcher with a knife in his head or a fork <laughs> or a fork in his face with the blood dripping down <laughs> and you know kevin sullivan and all these crazy because we watched all the wrestling my buddy Harry and i sweaty my buddy man and I. everywhere yeah harry sweaty man the fonz and the ultimate harry sweaty man um, uh, uh, the Incredible Hulk. Did you think I had issues with my masculinity? I say no. <laughs> uh, it was, Fantastic. yeah, so it was the first semester of high school. I was doing, I did the first play that I can, we did the the Mouse That Roared, the, the drama production for oh, the yeah. year was The Mouse yeah, That Roared. Yeah. And I didn't want to, you know, this was at that time where I was like, oh no, I don't have any interest in in acting. I'm, I was going to stay far away from it, but I did like doing voices and impersonations and things. And so part of that play, a big part of that play is all these kind of um, radio announcements and streaming of broadcasts from around the world. And so they needed somebody mm. to do all these different accents and stuff. So I went to the audition for the purposes of doing that i was like i don't want to be on stage but i'll do those voiceover things for you if you want that's fun and then they said well we want you to do that and you know they gave me a part as a soldier or something and i thought oh i don't really want to do this but then i really you know it was like that thing of like getting you know really getting bitten by the the bug or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. i i loved it like being on stage in front of an audience with like this horrible little costume it was supposed to be that it was like this really kind of uh low budget military that this little country had and so uh, literally we were wearing like <laughs> pots on our head and stuff for helmets and whatnot and it was very silly and i remember i made a uh you know like something i did got a laugh and so then i started improvising lines i got in trouble oh, for that you're i made kidding i made some i, I can't remember the, i made some joke about the brady bunch i don't remember the context i don't remember <laughs> why i said i do remember that the punchline was the brady bunch and the audience went nuts and then the director like was <laughs> this english teacher was he was oh, no. pissed off but laughing he was like you don't do that and i was like oh <laughs> come on <laughs> gotta laugh you know and the, the monster laugh. was created right there you know i was like i was like ah come wow, on i can, can, I can juice this up. the moment where it was mm-hmm. like oh yeah this is the thing i need to be doing that's kind of because then I was like, I was like, oh, now I want to audition for it. Then I really was yeah. very active in, in in all of that for the rest of high school. And then obviously the rest <laughs> of my life. But it was literally like from being like, I don't really want to be in a play, but I'll do a couple of voices for you to be like, uh, can I go out for the musical, too? So whatever. 
Um, well, you got a taste uh, of it. You got a taste of that. The, you got know, a taste the of reaction it. Reaction from the crowd. Yes. yes. La- laughter that wasn't at my expense. I, I'll tell you. I, I remember. I loved Robert Loggia so much in the eighties. Like when I was looking at colleges, somebody was like. You went to Robert Loggia College? University? No. That, <laughs> the University of Loggia? Wagner College uh, touts as its one of its esteemed alum, Robert Loggia. And I was like, Come I on. love Robert Loggia. So I I took their materials from a, a college fair. Dan did the same thing with Hofstra and Robert Davi. Yes. Talk about jagged edges. Nah, look at his face. It was a crime so violent. You think I killed my wife? Prove it. A murder so well planned. You want people to say, geez, you think he could have done that to his own wife. That it may change as many lives. You're under arrest for the murders of Paige Forrester and Consuela Martinez. As it claims. You've got uh, multiple stab wounds. The wounds are jagged. The uh, blade must have some kind of serration. You're never going to get him off. If he didn't do it, I'll get him off. Columbia Pictures presents... Jeff Bridges, Glenn Close, Jagged Edge. Lawyer Teddy Barnes, played by Glenn Close, reluctantly takes up the case of publisher Jack Forrester, played by Jeff Bridges, who was accused of brutally murdering his wife for a lucrative inheritance. Assisted by the great Robert Loggia, Teddy finds herself at odds with her former partner, a district attorney played by Peter Coyote, and entering a romantic relationship with Forrester, who leaves Teddy guessing throughout the trial as to whether he is an innocent, loving man or a cunning, manipulative murderer. Jagged Edge made $4.1 million on its opening weekend, en route to a worldwide total of $40.5 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Jagged Edge? Well, here's the thing about Peter Coyote. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever he speaks, I just want it to go to a black and white still frame and then just slowly push in on whatever the thing is. And then maybe a little tilt as he tells us about the history of whatever we're looking at, because I can or I want him to tell us what's coming next on the Oscars. That's the only thing or I want him to help save E.T. There's a reason he didn't get much work beyond that. There's a reason, and it's on display in this movie. No, he's fine. Um, he's fine. He's absolutely fine. Bridges is uh, he's cold and calculating. You know what I mean? He's he's just he's. Just, I mean, not me. I I'm misspeaking. I, I'm. He's not calculating. He's just cold. He's just cold in the eyes. You know, and he's just. Mm-hmm. He's got those sort of steely eyes that, you There's know, he uses something in, roiling underneath. There's something, yeah, uh, and you something see fascinating in, about him. You can well, tell you it. see it in all his 80s things and Starman and things like that. And you see that sort of is he or isn't he mystery in the eyes. And then Glenn Close is always good. But the problem with this movie is that both lawyers are i mean we've seen so many legal procedurals now there's 900 shows about them all these are terrible they're all terrible at their jobs bad at their jobs basically corrupt (laughs) yeah right they're terrible at their jobs they're corrupt and they don't see anything coming they don't prepare you never for a moment see glenn close preparing for the case there's 47 like uh, mystery witnesses or surprise witnesses that they're all shocked by all the time yeah it's just poorly i think it's just poorly put together as a legal procedural what is how awful a lawyer is she she's going out she's having drinks with the guy she's defending taking romantic walks on the beach 
I mean, she's riding falling the horse. In, yeah, she's falling into all these traps. Now, she does say later. She's sleeping with me. She's having a whole Thomas Crown thing. Yeah, yes, that could be it. That could be yeah, it. I mean, she's, she's sort of, something like that. you know, she's a single mom. She wants to do something exciting. And she does say later, this is why I said I was getting out of the business. I, I wasn't going to do this. So it was <laughs> right. almost set up that like she was maybe a shitty mm-hmm. lawyer already. Like she gets sucked into this stuff. You know, it, watching this movie, and I didn't realize that Joe Esterhouse, is that how I never know how to pronounce his last name? Yeah, he wrote, he wrote it. And you, this. Can he you wrote believe this. it? Same guy yeah, who wrote Yeah, you can girls. see, you're like, oh, I could see where he gets to with basic instinct and that that feel. The broad strokes yeah, of that Yeah, totally. Here. There's something, I mean. It's salacious. The crime is really salacious. Yes, very and, melodramatic. And makes you feel dirty. and Yeah. It's, it's uh, there's something almost pulpy about yeah, it, I found. Thing. And that came with that. Mm-hmm. that also yeah, came with, how, with Peter Coyote's performance. Definitely with Robert Loggia. There was with just the dialogue in yeah. general. Right when it because I, I my feeling going into it too, and I was like, oh, Peter Coyote, because he's like one of the first people you see after the brutal opening yes. of the uh-huh. murder. And I was like, oh, I love Peter Coyote. And then I started to think, wait, why do I like Peter Coyote? And I was like, oh, I like his voice, and I loved him in ET. <laughs> but outside of that, <laughs> what else do I really know Peter Coyote from? And then. I was thinking, as he was going on, I'm thinking, wait, do I like Peter Coyote? I don't know how you figure it. Teddy and I sent this guy to the joint four years ago. He's halfway to his parole hearing. He hangs himself. You take care. What did you think, Jason? Like, what was your takeaway from this? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hook into, like, what, what am I supposed to feel at the end of this? All I felt was like... I was like, oh, okay. That you know, the the twist is is what it is. And what but, is Glenn Close gonna do now? I'm not sure. I know it's I, hard I, to I sympathize don't really care. with Glenn Close's character. And yeah, well, that's that's She's, it. Yeah, it's hard to sympathize with her because yeah, I mean, because she she's utterly compromised in the whole, I mean, she shouldn't be, I mean, immediately sleeping with no. this client who, you know, may be yeah. a, a horrible murderer. Um, I don't know that for me the twist. You know, this is part of like not sitting down in the movie theater and watching it and and watching it on uh, Amazon and seeing how much time is left in the movie and being like, (laughs) okay, this can't be the ending. There's 20 more minutes. So I know what the, you know, I know where it's going. I know what the twist is a little bit. And then I thought I was giving it more credit. I was like, it's, I was like, it can't be as straightforward as this. I, I mean, I can say this without spoiling anything. It was leading me to think it was going to end a certain way. And then I thought, well, they're not. It, it, it can't be. It's too. That's too obvious now. There's got to be another too little obvious. twist. I, I thought. I expected same. it to be. Right. I expected it to be somebody else underneath the. Uh, Me too, Jason. I was like, oh, it's clearly going to be so and so. And then, then I was like, oh, think it's going to be. Like, well, that's then, very obviously the ending. I was like, I was like, I don't think there's any mystery yeah, right. here. I wrote down two things. No. I love Robert Loggia. Still do. I should have gone to Wagner College. Um, <laughs> Fuck him. He was trash. <laughs> the other thing I wrote at one point, I kind of, I, I wrote, I have no use for this movie. It needs, this, this movie needs my cousin Vinny. At one point I was just like, if we're going to be in the courtroom this long, I just want, I just want Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei and Fred Gwynn there. And uh, I'll enjoy yeah, it a lot bring more. In Fred, bring in, bring in Fred Gwynn. Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. What is a Ute? It felt Zucker Brothersy right at the start. There's a lot of bad music in. Yes. I mean, I mean, 
Patsy Cline, notwithstanding, there's a lot of bad music in the movies this week. And I thought the music, the music in this movie was quite bad and starts, it's kind of comical. This like, you know, this, you know, stalker, killery music that goes in the background is just so. Casio keyboard. It was very over the top. It felt very much like Naked Gun or something. And so I thought it was funny at first. And then I was like, oh no, well, this is quite horrible. It it shouldn't have such funny music underneath it. So, uh, yeah, I didn't have any uh, strong feelings about this movie. I thought the Benny Hill theme was odd, too. But <laughs> During <you know>. the murder. <gasps> oh. Well, and they sped it up, at least. They, yeah, <laughs> they have a good sense to. <laughs> and then the little man comes in and sees the woman's breast and goes, oh, and then the murderer taps him on the head. Oh, no. Um, did, you, did you notice the blatant Richard, again, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Richard Marquand? Mark Hunt, the oh, director. Oh yes, 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 yes. Director yeah. of Return of the Jedi. Yes, and and Glenn Close's son children has, yeah. had a Return of the Jedi poster in the room. I was like, oh, oh there you that's- go. It's a trap. Richard Marquand. He's a you know the funny thing is I know um I actually I know his 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 wife is uh, what? was a, a longtime board member at uh at Hudson Valley Shakespeare. Oh for goodness and, uh, sake. And I've been to their wow. I've been to their home. You know, he, <gasps> he passed away at a young age, but right. I've been in their house and for events and there's a and I I've always thought like, oh I wonder if, if I'm gonna Star see any stuff, Return yeah. of the Jedi memorabilia. The only thing in the house that I could see is there's a framed picture of Richard Marquand, their uh, their children and uh Peter Mayhew in in the Chewbacca costume. Oh, and it's oh, signed wow. by Peter Mayhew and it's like a great picture and it's like in <sighs> you know so, some room in the house and I was like oh that's so cool. But um Wow. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't find I, there was Glenn Close just left me cold. I don't know if it was her performance or the character. There was just no chemistry between the two no. of them. I, I, I think that's it. There was there wasn't the kind of chemistry that makes you either root for them or buy it. It, it felt like she was being duped to me the whole time because I yeah. felt like I didn't really buy the chemistry. So then you think that. Well, there's she's being manipulated by him. That's where your brain goes kind of automatically. That's what well, happened with me. I mean, even if she's not being manipulate, manipulated by him, she's making a giant mistake of ethics. Oh, of course. You know, she's making a huge ethical mistake. So that makes you go, stop what you're doing, because either yeah. way, this is bad. And not that we don't, you know, feel I did feel for her. You're absolutely right about the lack of chemistry between the two of them. But the the um, you know, I just still don't know what I'm supposed to feel at the end of this or if I'm just supposed to sort of have an empty feeling of like, oh, God, she did it again and it came back to haunt her again. Or am I supposed to Mm. at the moment where she doesn't call the cops, doesn't call anyone to come over, but just lies in wait for him? Is that the moment that I'm supposed to go, ah, she's found her strength now. She's a new, she's a changed woman. She's not the, the, she's not the, I'm going to fall for this a third time. No, this is the last straw, the last stand. This is the end of her, you know what I mean? Her uh, uh, being duped by people. This is the, the she's not going to take it anymore. You know, am I supposed to feel that when she, because she has that moment where she, could panic or could collapse or could cry. It's after she finds the typewriter, right? She is, yeah. And then she sort of, and then she gets the hell out of there. I thought that was the strongest scene in the movie where she's in the car and mm-hmm. he's like, where are you going? You know? And she's like, I, I got to go home. That was like, okay, cool. We're in, we're in a high tension Hitchcockian situation here. And then she goes home and she has a moment of like, 
stealing herself you know what i mean yeah. for the for the for the inevitable our is that the moment we're supposed to go yeah glenn close woo and and it's our stand up and cheer moment for her cuz i didn't feel that at all but i, I think that's what I, Esther no. House is going for i don't think so because it's too it's too subtly modulated. The moment is, a, I think it's a great moment because she is, she's like panicking on the phone and you can hear it in her voice. Right. She's almost hyperventilating. And then like a serenity washes over her. That's the moment and, I'm talking about. And yeah, I know. And, but, but serenity is generally not a stand up and cheer moment. You know what I mean? It's like, I think it's too small. You know what I mean? It's like, so too subtle. Uh, You're right. What's happening. What's happening with her is like very, yeah. it's a very small thing, but it's very clear. I could feel it. Yeah, I was like, oh, she's yeah, she knows what she has to do now. Well, either that she knows what she has to she knows what she has to do or or she's kind of letting go in some way. It's like it's it's either going to be him or me, you know, like either yeah. she's I'm a going to now, survive right? or yeah. I'm yeah. or I'm or I'm not. But I've made this bed and I'm literally going to <laughs> go lie in it. <laughs> With my gut. Yeah. She should have <laughs> just put a rabbit in the pot on the stove and tried to serve it to him <laughs> and then went absolutely ballistic with a knife. Speaking of beds, I say we put this one to bed and say, Jagged Edge, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Oh, well sweet done, dreams. Frederick. That's well excellent. Excellent. Uh, how many Sheilas? How many Sheilas? Um, I'll give it four Sheilas. Yeah, I'll go four. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll also give this four. I was going to go 3.5, but why Why be churlish? Logia deserves whatever. <laughs> Whatever love and throw his way. Uh, yeah, it was, very, it was very highly mediocre. Four might be high. Four might be high. I may it's regret it. High. Listen, if you if you give Jagged Edge anything higher, you are crazy. <laughs> the satisfied smile on Fred's face as he sang crazy to me, as he, as he serenaded me with crazy. Folks, we, I know we don't charge anything for this, but it's worth the price of admission. Um, yeah, let's move on to some to some sweet dreams where only nice things happen to the next lead. Oh, wait. Wait. Sweet dreams. I need you to look me in the face and say, you screw up a lot, but I still love you, Charlie. I always will. They fought harder, loved more. And went further than most people ever dreamed. The true life and love story of Patsy Cline, Jessica Lange, Ed Harris, in a film by Carol Rice. Sweet Dreams, coming from TriStar Pictures. Aspiring country singer Patsy Cline, played by Jessica Lange, is resigned to a life of thankless gigs and an unhappy marriage until she meets the charismatic and aptly named Charlie Dick, played by Ed Harris. Patsy eventually leaves her husband to marry Charlie and temporarily shelves her performing career to become a mother. But she later returns to singing and, despite marital woes and chronic abuse, finds major success under manager Randy Hughes, played by David Clennon, becoming a full-fledged star before fate takes a turn. Sweet Dreams made $2.1 million over its opening weekend, ending up with a total take of only $9.1 million dollars. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Sweet Dreams? Well, first of all, let me say that, and I should have mentioned this with Jagged Edge, I didn't see either of these movies when they came out, but no. I do vividly remember watching the Siskel and Ebert episode of At The Movies where they discussed <laughs> both these movies oh, wow. and 
Invasion USA with Chuck Norris. Oh, wow. Yes. But that was my knowledge and introduction to these two movies mm. was hearing Siskel and Ebert talk about them. Uh, so I watched it for the first time a couple of days ago. I got to say, I, you know, we talked about the lack of chemistry between Glenn Close and Jeff Bridges and Jagged Edge. Mm -hmm. This movie to me was all about the incredible chemistry between Jessica Lange and Ed Harris. I loved the two of them together. Mm. I thought their chemistry was incredible was wonderful. Yeah. It was infectious. I, I loved seeing, especially in the beginning, obviously things, you know, go south. <laughs> yeah. When things are but happier. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching them play off each other. And it was very surprising. They kept going to places I didn't expect. I mean, there's that scene where they get into the, to the, the fight over the dinner table and they mm -hmm. start to you know, it reminds me of when we were talking about a couple of weeks ago when I was saying like, you know, the whole thing of Nomi Malone just throwing food. And as <laughs> you know, when I was an actor in, high, in college, I was like, I'm just going to throw tables and shit. And they do that. And it just starts to turn into this like raging bull type thing. And then they're laughing at each other because they yeah. realize how ridiculous it is. He's not really an asshole outright. I mean, he's showing her support. He's showing her a lot of love. There's, they're obviously, you know, bouncing off each other well, but you know, there's a, you're just like, oh, this is going to, this is going to go south. And I, I didn't want it to. It really, mm. it, I was hurt when it did go that way. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. But I didn't get much, I didn't learn much about her as a singer and no. about what she no. offered to the world of, of country and Western music. That was the one thing that was missing for me a little bit. What'd you guys think? Uh, I didn't, I didn't care for this movie. Um, and you really hit on it there at the end. The, the music biopics I like tend to, fo the thing I, the thing, the thing I enjoyed most about this movie and music biopics that I like tend to focus on this is the, is the times in the recording sessions when she, and they're very few and far between when she's actually just working out the music and she says things like, come on, another take guys. And they all go, yeah. ah, stuff like that. I, yeah. I want to see that a lot more. One of my favorite um, music biopics is the one uh, where um, John Cusack and Paul Dano. Sort Ooh, of I'm so glad you mentioned that movie. Yeah. I love that. And I know the scenes you're talking about. It's the Beach Boy. He plays Brian Wilson. They both play Brian Wilson. It's Love and Mercy. Love, love and Mercy. Love and Mercy. Okay. It's, I, I love it. It's excellent. They're both excellent in it. And it's because you see what obsession over getting the music right is like, you know, this one is, it's a portrait of an abuser and an abuse victim mm -hmm. in which the abuse victim happens to be Patsy Cline. You know what I mean? It's yes. not, if you're going in expecting to learn about Patsy Cline, watch the Peter Coyote uh, narrated <laughs> country music documentary sure. by Ken Burns. You really get a strong depiction of who Patsy Cline was. And I want to see that movie in which she happens to have been an abuse victim rather than a portrait of an abuser and an abuse victim that in which Patsy Cline happens to be in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, that I, I think it's a more the, interesting movie to me. It just Patsy wasn't Klein, that movie. It Patsy wasn't that Klein, movie. Patsy Klein, but Patsy Cline is defined in this movie as 
abuse victim. And that's that it's the same thing Taylor said after seeing the movie. She was she was like, that doesn't define her. That's not the definition. Oh, but I think that's why it's, it's about the relationship and not about her. Really, I think it really by being as that's even handed saying. as it is. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the same thing you're saying. And what Fred's saying is it's just not that movie. It's not the I think we think we assume it's the definitive Patsy Cline biopic. But maybe that movie just has not been, been made. made yet because this is really it, the timeline of this goes from basically the night they meet, right? And it, so it's really yeah. about those two people and and how their lives intertwine until uh, the end of the road but for them. I, but I think and, it uh, ultimately does a disservice to Patsy Cline is what I'm saying. Because she is so much more than what she is depicted in this movie. She was a goddamn sure. genius. She was a genius. I didn't come out thinking that she was defined as someone in an abusive relationship. I still- By this I mean, movie? I, yeah, no. I mean, I thought obviously it was about someone in an abusive relationship, but I don't think it diminished her in, in that sense. It, she got out of it and she was she was taking a stand, but there was just this draw that the two of them had. But yeah, I yeah it's a toxic liked, relationship. It's, it's, a, yes. it's just a toxic relationship where one half of that relationship happens to be like this incredibly uber talented, you know, uh, brilliant performer. I, I get what you're saying, Dan. Absolutely. I am not. I'm not so keen on this movie either, mostly mm. because I think it's interesting that they do that it is as I don't even like the, the term even handed, but I mean, in terms of screen time, in terms of I mean, it really is a, yeah. a two handed. It's, it's both yes. of these actors. It's not his role is really no smaller than hers. It's exactly. really about the two of them, which is makes it odd. I thought he did a brilliant job and the movie does it, too, if this is what you're trying to say, like you say, Dan, of, of making us empathize with or feel for him and see these beautiful, gentle, tender moments that he right. has with her, even in the aftermath of some of the horrible things he does or some of yeah. the bad behavior where you just say like, oh, it's it is complicated. It's not good. It's not. It. Yeah, it's not healthy. They shouldn't be together. It's not acceptable. Yep. Not a lick of it. But there is the the complication of their their love and the yep. tenderness and the true feeling and that long scene which is so interesting that they spend, Kate and I were saying this, it's so interesting they spend this much time with his character away from yeah. Patsy when he's in exactly. jail overnight and yeah, tells the whole story Carl about Willie. his, yeah, and he tells the whole story of his father and it's like, oh, there's his origin story. That's why he is right. what he is. They weren't making the movie that is the, the you know, Patsy Cline's genius movie. They were making the, here's Patsy Cline's fucked up marriage movie and that for better or worse, that's just what this story is. So I get like wanting more from it. My, for my thing was, it's just so kind of um, pedestrian in a way. It's workmanlike. It's workmanlike. I don't think there's no, I don't see a lot of creativity. No, in the, I found it very Hallmark Hall of Fame and yeah. structure. It's all these little, it's about 500 little tiny scenes. It's a timeline. Exactly. It's just a very straightforward docudrama-ish timeline of yeah. events from there's no they met here yeah. and they, yeah, there's no, um, there, there's not a lot of uh, in, interpretive uh, or creative uh, juice Which behind it. Which is fine it. sometimes. I guess the thing that I wanted to see is that how does their relationship elevate her as a singer and her art. And it sort of does the, I mean, it finally does it as the end when she sings sweet dreams. And that was the first time that I really listened to the lyrics. Sweet dreams of you. 
start loving someone new instead of having sweet dreams of love you yeah. so it's you're like oh okay she that's what it is she's but working I, it out in the music yeah i wanted mm-hmm. to see more of that like you said dan and yes. I, it just wasn't told in that way and maybe that just isn't what it is. I mean, it's funny. Now I really want to watch Coal Miner's Daughter and see what Beverly D'Angelo did. And I, and I want to learn more about Patsy Cline because I don't think it did her, you know, with what you said before, it, I don't think it it diminished her as a person who is, you know, just stuck as an abused woman in an abusive relationship. But it does sort of diminish her as a musician and what she brought to the genre, the movie really never. That's what I'm it's saying. Sort of, it sort of skims you put, you over that. You put words on exactly what I'm trying to say. Because you want that moment. Like the moment I always think about, and again, this was a very particular movie. Uh, and I think we might've been talking about it a little while ago, maybe not even on the podcast, but the movie Rocket Man, which I just saw recently. Uh-huh. And there's that, have you guys seen it? No. No. Oh, I loved it. There is a brilliant moment where it's Elton John first playing in the States at the Troubadour in LA. And... I almost don't want to give it away if you guys haven't seen it, but it's it's a magical moment and cool. it's very fantastical. And you see what happens to him and the audience with the power of the music. Now, obviously, this is a very different type of music. They're not going to do that. Right. But there was never a moment really where you saw what her music was doing to other people and exactly. doing for her. Perfectly it was just more put. of her saying like, I want to be a singer. I want to be a singer. And that's great. And she talked about it with her mom and they had a lovely, wonderful relationship, but it just never got elevated past that. And again, maybe that's what they wanted to do with this movie. They just wanted to show a movie about, they wanted to strip away all that and just say, here's a movie about two people. Yeah. And if that's what they wanted to do, they did it. And I thought yeah. they were both, Great. Yeah, they're both, uh, you know, they're both excellent. The acting is wonderful. Uh, The relationship between Patsy and her mother, I thought was one of the most interesting parts of the movie. And Wedgworth plays uh, her mother. And I thought she was, uh, I thought she was excellent. Uh, You know, I think there are moments. And again, I don't know if I should like it for this, but you know, there are that, that scene where he has to go see her and he's, you know, he, he leaves the, the base. He's in the military, leaves the base, goes in the middle of the night. He has to take her back to the place where they first had their Which first night together. Terrible scene. How did you notice it? Suddenly like the mu- I, 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 that scene popped out in my head just in terms of the music. I didn't notice turned- the music. I thought the scene was actually great. His need and that he needed her to like, mm. yeah, I mean, I think it's toxic, but I think I it's, like gr- it's a great. That- yeah. I just thought it was like, executed really poorly. It was like really bad eighties country. It was almost like oh, smooth yeah. jazz country music <laughs> under under him riding riding yeah, the motorcycle. Really, to her. So it, it, that was the one moment that took me out. That like, was the one moment in terms doing. of the, the music. Yes, yeah. did not did not work there. That was odd. But I thought the scene was very potent and uh, and yes. o- oddly affecting. And again, it was like this guy's not a good guy. This is not a good relate. I mean, nothing. He's a flawed guy, yeah. and this is a a, a very difficult relationship. I, I think we've just seen a lot of this type of thing, and in real life, and it's it's hard to watch somebody go through it in real life, and it's very hard yeah. to watch it play out in, on a screen like this. And I was but worried to also for her see, when he was on that motorcycle. I was fearful oh, yeah. for her. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh Jesus, here we fucking go with this." You no, know, and he is. He's a guy who he says, "I need you to look me in the face and say you screw up a lot, but I still love you, Charlie. I always will." 
told you before you left, I'm not holding any grudges. I need something from you. I need you to look me in the face and say, you screw up a lot, but I still love you, Charlie. I always will. You screw up a lot, Charlie, but I still love you. I always will. It was highly effective. There are moments like that in this movie that really, really work. But again, they are snapshots of a a toxic relationship and it is like you know that that i don't know that i really you know need to (laughs) need or want to see all that much of so i thought it was technically uh, you know well made in a lot of regards but not very creative and yes i think it it, yeah if you're buying a ticket to this thinking or you know back in the 80s or if you're renting this or whatever thinking you're going to see the patsy klein story yeah you're you're in for something uh, right. a little a little different and, and maybe of, underwhelming in that which sense. sort of takes us back to this the conversation that we've had many times in this podcast which is like can we viably not like part not like a movie or for what it isn't you know yeah and i wrestle I mean. with that all the time yeah. it's like okay maybe i had higher expectations or whatever or should i be rating it against my expectations but i still say had this movie in addition to being what it was maybe had this movie also vaunted or venerated Patsy Cline for the freaking impact she has and the genius she was and the and what Fred said, people reacting to her, you know, and, and because she was the tipping point. She was the tipping point in, in female voices in country music. She really was. Hmm. So, you know, if you're going to watch this movie, also watch the Ken Burns documentary. And also, <laughs> if you're a filmmaker go make a better Patsy Cline movie that shows her whole, <laughs> her whole, her whole journey. But um, now come on the plane crash. I did laugh. That was terrible. I thought it was spoiler funny. alert. There's a plane. If you don't know that she <laughs> you know, dies in a plane crash, plane crash, Patsy Cline dies in a plane crash. And it's uh, yeah, like that really Kate and I, I were like, why did they show that in that way? Why, show that it? why not just stock show footage the, of like, yeah. it was like when Krusty the clown, you know, uh, fakes <laughs> his own death and crashes the plane in the mountain. It's almost the literally oh, yeah. the same shot. It was shocking. I did gasp, even though I knew it was coming. I was like, "Holy shit! I can't believe they actually showed it." They showed it. Was it just they so sh- sudden. They, 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 it was it was laughably sudden. It was laughably shocking. I almost wanted them to be like on the ground, going, "Boy, Jesus! Thank God we escaped that. That was a hell of a <laughs> oh yeah, that was a hell of oh a pla- like." It, I almost wanted them to pan <gasps> down to them watching their own plane oh, crash no. or something. Wow. But it was, yeah, uh, it was you know no it reason was, uh, to show that. Uh, no, uh, highly unnecessary. Absolutely did not highly need it. We know what's coming. Just cut to black, cut to Ed Harris, you know, getting the call, feel, getting something. a call. Yeah, you absolutely don't need to show that. God damn. Give it a La Bamba treatment. Crash there you go. Give it the La Bamba treatment. Yeah. I mean, and it slams into that mountain. Oh, yeah. You see it fall on. And I was oh, like, oh, boy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Before we say sweet dreams to this one and let off some steam, I yes. do have to tell you my Ed Harris story <laughs> because I met Ed Harris shortly before this whole shutdown. <gasps> yeah. So what happened was I was recording an audiobook. Uh, in the film center building. And this was a studio where a lot of big actors and celebrities would come in and out. And I would, you know, often I would get a chance to meet them and say hello. But the person who ran the studio, Tucker, was like, hey, just so you know, Ed Harris is coming. He would would always fill me in. So I thought, fuck, Ed Harris is coming. I got to talk to the guy. I got to at least. And also, whenever someone like that would come in, anytime like I've ever been 
not that it happens all the time, but if I, if I ever run into someone famous or know that I'm going to see someone, I try to think, well, what's the connection? What's the in? What can I rather than just be like, oh, so-and-so, I love your work. Yeah. So I can say, hey, we know so-and-so, or I saw you in this particular production, whatever. Or I've so eaten I, your guacamole. Exactly. My family makes you your guacamole, there Ed. There you go. There Sorry. You go. See, to me, that's a great in. So I thought, <laughs> okay, well, he's he just started to do To Kill a Mockingbird. I, I knew someone. My friend Mono was in the show. So I thought, I oh, thought you were okay. going to mention when I did the monologue, and you were like, my friend Dan my- <laughs> does a great Atticus Finch. I mean, he hasn't done it in, in you know, Two decades, but yeah, you should watch him. If that- By the way, listen to our podcast. We haven't started it yet, but I have a feeling there's going to be a pandemic and we're going to be forced to do a podcast. So take a listen. And then maybe you and Dan can do like a two-person Atticus Finch show. That's what so- the time phone is for. <laughs> we got to get the time phone for that. So I thought, okay, I'm going to bring that up. And also, Lion King was right next door to, to Kill a Mockingbird. So right. I, thought, I, can, I, I can bring that up. So as soon as he walked in the door... And I happened to be out on a break getting coffee. It was very obvious to everyone that he did not want to talk to anyone. Oh, boy. He walked in. He he shuffled in. (laughs) His head was down. Oh, boy. Everything about his body language was saying, please don't talk to me. I'm fucking tired. So he comes in. They sit him down. They're like, Mr. Harris, would you like some coffee? He's like, I'll take some tea. I'll take some tea. Sits down on a couch. Again, his head is practically in between his legs. Oh boy. Everything about it is saying, I want to be alone. <laughs> so I prepared in my head, I'm going to say, I knew what I was going to say. Mr. Harris, I would hate myself if I didn't tell you what a great fan I am of your work. At which point in my head, he would say, why, thank you, young man. <laughs> say, by the way, I'm next door in The Lion King. You're in To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, really? Wow, how is that? And we'd get into this whole cut. Yes, and my friend Mono's in your show. And then we would form this bond. And we're having a lovely conversation. What I did was I turned around and I said, Mr. Harris, I um, would, uh, and as I'm stammering, I slowly see his head start to come up. He's not looking at me, but he's coming up with like, oh God, what is this human saying to me? And I'm still stammering because I can't remember the words. Mr. Harris, I, I would, um, I, I, I would, I would kill myself. Oh, no. If I didn't, um, and then as soon as he hears the word kill, that's when I can see the, the questioning look in his eyes. And he started to look at me and I finally get it out. I would kill myself if I didn't say what a huge fan i am of um uh not not only not only your work but uh your wife's work as well oh jesus uh and this is not amy madigan so i'm thinking just how do i get out of this so i finally finished whatever i wanted to say that didn't come out at all like i wanted to say and he very graciously looks at me still crouched down sticks out his hand and shakes my hand and that should have been it you know i fucked up already you didn't do more yeah, I just kept going. Oh, so how's Fred. Um, oh, Fred. How, 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 how's To Kill a Mockingbird going? Fred, no. Oh, and God. he started to talk and he said, it's it's uh, it's tough, it's tiring. I said, oh yeah, my friend Mono's in it. All right, trying to get back on track. Oh yeah, Mono, Mono, yeah, good guy. Yeah, I'm next door in um in the theater next to you. I said, no, I'm in The Lion King, I'm in The Lion King. And, oh. 
yeah, I've been wanting to see your show, but, uh, you know, we're on the same schedule. So my sister-in-law saw it and then it just, oh Oh my God, it was just, it was just as awkward as I'm making it same. And, you know, and I think I said, yeah, my sister-in-law really liked it. So, um, uh, you know, best of luck with the run of the show and (laughs) good luck with your recording. And then I just beat it the fuck out of there. And then I remember walking out of the booth later and the same guy, Tucker, who told me that he was going to be there, just looked at me and went, well, that was smooth. Oh, oh my God. Fred, you why have can't to you leave people alone? Leave uh, people alone. You have to just shout at them. Mr. Harris, I love your work. You just have to, like when I <laughs> shouted at noted pedophile Jeffrey Jones as he was as he was ushering a young boy into the back of a cab and we no. saw him in Greenwich Village. Yes. No. Yeah, Fred oh, yeah. and I were in the we village, there, yeah. I think, and we see it was Je- Upper West like, Side it's, actually. Was it Upper West Side? <laughs> it was, the I it was side. downtown, Central Park West. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jessica Lang. We didn't talk enough about Jessica Lang. She's brilliant. She's a great yeah. actor. She gets better with age. She really Have you does. seen? Did you see Feud, the yes. Betty and Joan story? Yeah, she's she's incredible. American she's incredible. Horror Story, all of it. How many Sheilas? I will give it, what was the first movie? Jagged Edge. I liked, I disliked this as much as Jagged Edge, <laughs> maybe a little less or maybe a little more dislike. Therefore, I will give it 3.5. I liked it more. Five. <gasps> I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a five too. I thought their performances were fantastic. Yeah. I loved the acting both. was, their acting was really strong and all the acting, you know, there's uh, John Goodman's in the, I mean, it's a, the yeah. cast is great. I mean, yeah, he shows up in it. Yeah. No, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't. Uh, I don't need to see this thing again. But but uh, you know, Jagged Edge, um, I think just tips it. You know, Logia tips it. The Logia factor tips it ever so slightly. Fuck him. It was trash. Oh, All right, we got oh, some unfinished oh, oh, business oh. here for the twentieth episode. Yes, Ooh. we have to crank out some Sheilas. We have to crank out nineteen films. Holy bejasmus. Are you kidding me? So we did not give Sheila's to. So it's a lightning round. Don't even think. Don't even think. We're going to go through them. Star Wars, A New Hope. Ten. Ten. Nine. (gasps) Cliffhanger. Four. Four point five. Four. Made in America. Three. 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 (laughs) Super Mario Brothers. One. Eight. Zero. What? Zero. How? Zero. There's you? nothing. There's not. I can't even. T- I tried to think about it. I was like, what can I give the one Sheila to? And nothing. You liked Mid- Jagged Goddamn Edge more than <laughs> Super yes. Mario? Super Mario Brothers is just noise. It's noise. All right. If you Beat want to hear Street. more, go back to episode two. It's beautiful. Beat Street. Noise. Beat Street. Uh, uh, five. Five. Seven. Whoa. Ghostbusters. Yeah. <gasps> Eight. 9.5. 8.5. Gremlins. 8. 8.5. 10. <laughs> Go to hell. <laughs> History of the World Part you, 1. So, so far, the 10s for you are Sixth Sense, Gremlins, and 7. Uh, no, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead oh, and Gremlins dead. are my 10s. That's what it is. Oh, okay. I you don't think I Sixth gave. Sense. I don't think, I don't know that I did. Oh, Maybe okay, I did. I don't think I, I think the first 10 I gave was Shaun of the Dead. Um, so horror comedy seems to be my thing. Ooh. 
same history of thing, Jason? history of the world part one six and a half oh come on two four point five clash of the titans uh the same thing six and a half yeah i'll go six and a half on it that's like five ah no four calibos <laughs> calibos yeah he gets most of that He's the Robert of Loggia that of that movie. He's the, he should have been played by Robert Loggia. He's wearing that. He's wearing that Robert Loggia mask ah, from uh, my fucking hand. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I got fucking horns in my head. Andromeda, give me a fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. Make some scorpions. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Eleven, if it's possible. It's 11. not. So ten. So we toss out of ten. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Three. Yeah, that's a three. I'll go four because my wife likes it. Aw. Yeah. Never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> Batman. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to go. Seven. I gotta, Seven and a half. I'll go eight. I got to go. Am I going to go 10 or I'm just going to go 9.5? You have to give it just, fuck, just go 10. Who are you kidding? Let's give it 10. Go for it. You 10. like it as much as you like Gremlins? Yeah, I do. Come on. I do. Absolutely. Look, nostalgia, nostalgia, and love for these types of movies. These play into the shields as well. Batman, Monty Python, live at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, oh, uh, five, six, four. Megaforce. Forty-seven. One hundred and twenty-six. I'm, gonna, I'm giving it. I'm going to give it six. It's very. It's actually. It was. It's a terrible movie that I enjoyed watching. Oh, three. I'll give it a four. Oh, I am giving it a three. You're giving it a four. I'm going to give it a four with six baby blue Barry Bostwick headbands. Yeah, it has oh. its own scale. Megaforce needs its own rating scale that is yeah. off, off of the Sheila chart. It's a Megaforce. For just pure, pure schlock. Because it made me think about Team America World Police the whole time, I'll give it the, I'll give it. All right, I'll, I'll come down. I'll come down. It's, I can't be giving it, I can't be giving it more than Fred gives it. So, all right. So it's a, uh, what'd you say? Four? God, I'll just give it five. Let's just call it a five. <laughs> Blade Runner. Oh. Ten. Really? Four. No, oh. four, five. I'm going to give it five. I'll oh, give it five. Oh. Yeah, I'll go five. It just wasn't my thing. I don't know why. Speaking of which, The Thing. Ooh. 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 Nine. Ooh. Yeah. Nine. Nine, Nine point five. Mm-hmm. Baby's Day Out. Fuck you. <laughs> That's what I give it. Fuck you. I'll give it I'll give it one. I'll give it a one point five. One point five. you. Wait, what why am I even giving it that? Only because we talk about it so much? That's not a good reason. Yeah. You're gonna you're one. gonna infuriate Jason, Jacob, Joseph, and Adam. You're gonna infuriate them. I I do that every time. They don't they do, Seven do not care point five gentlemen. <laughs> you're fucking insane. Madness, madness. You're insane. Junkyard dog would be ashamed of you. No, Did you give it movie. anything, Fred? Did you give it anything? I gave it a fuck you. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's great. That's like a point two. I'll give so it a you point gave it two. you you're like the that's that's your Super Mario Brothers. For me, yeah. Super Mario Brothers is the one that just I can't <laughs> abide. Uh blown away. Yes. <laughs> 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 Three. Two and a half. Yeah. Two. 
Yeah, I'll two stick star with uh, two and a half. Sounds right. There's, no, okay. there's really nothing to recommend it. And the shadow, two and a half. Give it three and a half. I'll go three. Yeah, and then I think that's it. And then that catches us up to the following episode. After that was Ghost and Quick Change, and that was our first round of Sheila's. Now we may have forgotten to do some in later episodes. I don't know, but oh. I just went to before we created the Sheila scale. So there you go. There you have it for you completists out there who want to yeah. know, who want to know our really considered ratings of these uh, since we just did a lightning <laughs> round of just spouting out numbers that but we're, you know we're going to come to regret later. But yes. now that you heard all these, now if you if you are a completist, you can go back and listen to all our past episodes. You got, got twenty right. episodes to listen to now. Go back, catch up. Oh well, that's it. Okay, so that's all the housekeeping. That's all Good the job. housekeeping. If you were thinking of going anywhere, stick around because it's time for command, though. They hunted him down. You know, Colonel, we went to a lot of trouble to find you. They murdered his friends. And they took the only thing he would kill for. If he wants your kid back, then you gotta cooperate. Right? Wrong. Now, somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. Retired Special Forces soldier John Matrix, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, lives in isolation with his daughter Jenny, played by Alyssa Milano. But their privacy is disturbed by former commander Franklin Kirby, played by James Olsen, who warns him that his fellow soldiers are getting killed off one by one. As soon as Kirby leaves, Jenny is kidnapped by former Latin American dictator Arias, played by Dan Hedaya, who wants Matrix to restore him to power. Instead, Matrix sets out to rescue his daughter and take down the rogue leader. Commando was a modest but undeniable hit, making $7.7 million over its opening weekend, $35.1 million domestically, and $57.5 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you think of Commando? I really, actually, truly love this movie. <laughs> Come on, don't bullshit, don't bullshit me, me Bennett. <laughs> With this fucking tie business. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't they just call him Girl George? The this movie, um, I I this was one of those movies. Okay, we didn't have cable. I think I mentioned that on the podcast before. But we had a videotape of this movie, like mm -hmm. a taped off of cable. Some friend gave it to us or something, and I watched it endlessly. Before that, before we even had that, I would watch this like at my grandmother's house, my stepdad's mom's house, because mm -hmm. she had cable, and it was always on cable. This movie, like fucking always. So I was like, oh, Commando's on. I'll watch this for the forty fifth time. So I've seen this movie a bajillion times. But it's been a long time since I've seen it. So the rewatch was so much fun for me because it's one of those movies where you go, oh, yeah, this is the next beat. Oh, this is the next scene. Mm. Oh, right. They do. Now he goes to the store. Now he goes to the mall. You know, it was amazing how familiar it was like putting on an old shoe. This movie is like, oh, God, uh. this feels so good being back in this movie. And you know something? It's a well-made action movie. It is, it has pace. It has 
uh, it has a, a purpose to it. It's yeah. it's slick. <laughs> it's put together very well. I mean, it's 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 diehard before diehard. You know what I mean? It's it's really you know that. I mean, yes, he's jacked and everything. And we said, well, diehard works because Bruce Willis is an everyman. Schwarzenegger obviously is not an everyman. He's just superhuman. But what he goes through in this. You you were really I was really invested and the thing is structured great it moves like gangbusters I fucking love it now is it absurdly ridiculously over the top yeah. violent of course but that's part of what's beloved you know about these kind of movies and whether it's a Chuck Norris or a this or a Steven Seagal or whatever all all of those other kinds of movies of this genre kind of for me pale in comparison to this movie i love it i'm the same way about this movie dan like i we i mean again it was one of these things where i grew up with it it was such a a big part of my life at this time very similar (laughs) in the same and it was all it was the same year but we talked about weird science on that episode a couple a couple weeks ago how is it a great movie no but we saw it at the right time and I saw this movie and I remember I didn't see it in the theaters but I remember very vividly riding on our bikes me Joe Salvatore Damon Reynolds Suds Josh Klainberg we were on our bikes and we rode oh, to Suds we rode to um to the video <laughs> store on Plandome Road there was this little tiny there were two video stores on Plandome Road if I remember there was one that was bigger and there was one that was like sort of like this smaller shittier one and that's the one we went to because Joe <laughs> knew that they had commando and we were <laughs> all into that type of stuff at that time. We were, it was just, you know, cause oh, the yeah. hormones are raging. So you're, you're either, you want to see like the, the stuff about sex and the girls and like Kelly LeBrock, or you just want to see this big, huge guy shooting guns and fucking destroying everything. So we were, yeah, it's that machismo yeah. that we all were like, yeah, I want to be, that's why we had the wrestling posters totally. and everything else. And so we were so excited. I just remember riding and renting it and going home and watching it and just thinking it was the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. And like all his little Schwarzeneggerism lines, Oh, this is, this where, is it where it all starts. And I always, you know, I always talk about, I, I was talking to my friend Ben who he doesn't really know these movies. And I'm always like, look, you've got to watch. It's like the holy trinity of Schwarzenegger movies. It's Commando, <laughs> Predator, and Total Recall. Those are the three Absolutely. to me that are just him at his pinnacle. With Running Man, a very close I, fourth. You don't put the Terminator on, movies near that? No, the no, no d- different category. category. Those are yes, the, probably yeah. the best movies that he's done. But they're their it's, own it's thing. It's a whole other thing. That's that Schwarzenegger as, I mean, in Terminator Two, he comes out. They sort of play on his persona more. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, of all his movies, I probably yeah. see Terminator. The first Terminator is my favorite. But really, this might be like it's those three: Commando and Predator, especially. It's just when yeah. it's Schwarzenegger unleashed, and they're like, "Okay, right. we've got right. this guy." He's a terrible actor. Uh, you know, it's so funny watching him. I mean, he does this thing with his eyes. Like, he doesn't really know how to use his body yet in this movie. Not no, really, like, no. he doesn't really know how to interact with the other actors. He's always, you know, he turns his head and his eyes sort of stay. Like, he's still almost like in Terminator mode. You know, he really, he, he stares yes. at the other actors hard yeah but- it's, it's like he's having a humanoid experience for the first time when he's eating ice cream with Alyssa <laughs> Milano like Alyssa oh, Milano is like this is what it is to be a person it's it's like it's like when Frankenstein is with the little girl and like little girl's like that's here's right. how that's exactly I like right. you know and there's something all, I, I, I'll say there's something Trumpian about the same way we're like 
how the hell did that guy he gets to be president and people just you know like say like uh yeah air force one is ready for you sir you know there's there's something about like how is donald trump accepted as president and then you look at it and you're like how is arnold schwarzenegger just accepted as a man in the world like talking to other people like just a scene with him and Alyssa milano at the beginning and like and she's like oh daddy blah 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 and he's like i i like a sandwich and what's in this it, it's like because it doesn't it's like, matter because it's no, preceded it by him topless carrying a fucking tree on his shoulder with a chainsaw tree. it's like it's like everybody just conven- yeah. there's something about him that makes everyone conveniently forget all the things that should not make him viable <laughs> There's some, it's uh, like he had, uh, must have pictures of somebody uh, somewhere. It's the same thing. It's like, it's like, how does this motherfucker get away with this? It, there's something about it. But uh, yes, I agree. I've never seen, I, the only time I've seen this movie in part, I saw the beginning of this movie at our old apartment, Dan. And, uh, yes. but I don't think I, I think we started it so late at night. I don't think I, I, I don't remember most of this movie. I had never seen it before that. Oh wow! And uh, and I feel wow. the same way as you guys about it. It's it's a wildly entertaining movie. Isn't it, it though? is very it is very it's it's, so and it is well paced. The whole thing with how he gets off of the fucking plane that's amazing. Oh. It's great. It's outstanding. Please don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. Yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> like there's all the funny quips, but then neck. how he gets. How he actually like goes and traversing and gets himself off of the plane is yeah. fantastic. I was yeah. like, I'm I'm finding it very compelling. It's a great conceit storytelling wise that he's like, yeah. he's asking the bin, he goes, How long is the flight gonna yeah. be? Eleven hours. Okay, so he has eleven hours to get yep. to his destination. I and thought that was fantastic. Because that's when they'll figure out yeah. he killed it's the a guy. Great, yeah. It's a that's great it's a great setup and it's a great it's very uh yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. like uh, as good as anything from like a, a a great diehard movie or something else, like that conceit that you've that's set that up and you're like, okay, now we know the rules. We know what time he has to play with. Yeah. We know what he knows that they don't and vice versa. And, it's and it provides great. the opportunity for lots of long shots of him just staring at his watch. <laughs> with that, with Trying that to understand uh, what it is. He's like, he's like, I don't know. She said 11 hours and this looks like I've never seen an 11 before, but I'm going to see what the little things do. And if it looks like it's changing... That must mean I'm losing time. <laughs> I mean, I, at one point, I just started to write down a list of all the crazy things yeah. that he does by himself. I mean, again, it starts with him. Right. He's literally tree, he's carrying tree a tree amazing. and a chainsaw. Carrying he can smell the bad guys <laughs> in the downwind. Yes. He pushes a truck down a mountain and then drives it. He breaks a man's <laughs> neck on a plane. He jumps out of a moving plane. He rips out a car seat with bare hands. Lifts up and throws yes. a phone booth. He takes on 10 security guards in a mall, uses a giant balloon to swing across that mall. He holds a man by one hand over a cliff, breaks a padlock with his hands. He drives a construction forklift into the local army surplus store that just happens to have rocket launchers and no one comes to check. He takes on an entire army all by himself, an entire army in that compound. He gets blown away by a grenade. He lobotomizes someone with a buzzsaw. He chops off an arm and beats a man with it, which is actually in the uncut version. And then he impales a man by tearing off a steam pipe and hurtling it through his chest. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Commando. <sighs> Ten Sheila's. <laughs> 
<laughs> easily, easily. 10. I mean, it's just how can you not? It, it's the 10. epitome of overblown eighties yeah. action movies, oh, yeah. and that's the thing. What you to, yeah. to, to your point, Jason? Like, you know, how did they think they? Because that's what the eighties was. It was just these, and that's why Bruce Willis and Die Hard was such a surprise because yeah. it was these right. huge, giant, bigger is better. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, yes. it, uh, just enormous, you know, and, and also I, I believe Rambo First Blood, uh, sorry, um, uh, part two, th- yeah, th- that, part that, two. Uh, that came out shortly before this, I seem to, yeah, uh, it was May, there? Came, yeah, it came out in the summer, came out in May. Like that was, that yeah. was the whole thing with, with the 80s at That this point. set the tone and then this, I think it took it next level. Uh-huh. Well, this was just ridiculous. This is much. This is much more entertaining. I think. Yeah, in Rambo, Rambo, he's going. There's a point to what he's. Well, there's a point to this too, but there's more of like there's a dramatic political overtone to it. This is just like that makes it heavy. Just blow shit up. Just blow (laughs) shit up. That's all. And and carry this tree. You son of a bitch. And I'll watch that forever. If this movie was six hours long, I would watch that. It feels like you're in a, it's almost like a video game where it's like, now we have to find the clues, right, Don Chong? What is this? A picture of a plane. They must be in that plane. You know, it's like, that happens in a video game where you're like, oh. The scene where they're looking in the maps, that was ridiculous. When they're like, (laughs) yeah, when he goes, longitude. Did you catch that? It's one of my favorite moments. He doesn't know what longitude is. The whole idea is. that Ray Dodd Chang decides to go with him. I, I mean, know. that's oh, ridiculous. She's, yeah. she's, she's great. Immediately on his she's side. totally yeah, great. She's, she's totally game. She's terrific in it. She's having she's fun. She's totally game. Yeah. Totally having fun. Totally making it work. This is very much like if Schwarzenegger had been cast as, and he auditioned for it. If he had been cast as the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> that this would be. It, it was yes. kind of like. It was all the stuff he would have done as the Hulk. I mean, like you know, like ripping car seats out and picking right. up phone booth. It felt like he was the Hulk, Absolutely. turning cars over with yeah. his bare hand. It was. He's even in a green tee, <laughs> a green long sleeve. The it entire was ridiculous. Movie. Yeah, the I mean, Hulk. it was like it was like he was the Hulk. Right. I thought it was very very funny. I also think it's very. Um, uh, it's a very intelligent move to make sure Schwarzenegger doesn't have the worst accent in the movie. That is uh, Dan Hedaya <laughs> is like <laughs> laughable. I don't know what I don't know what country he was from or what. He's from Valverde, didn't you catch did. that? From the from the the lovely country that people are going to on a plane for vacation. By the way, they're going to I this just place. The, this the, war the accent place. was the the. I mean, I really I think I actually was watching and thought. He cashed checks for this movie. He got, he like didn't have, he didn't feel shame. He doesn't look like he felt shame about cashing the checks. Hey. And I love Dan Hedaya. Don't you, don't you rag on Dan Hedaya. I love love Dan Dan Hedaya too. I just, I just, I I put his Nixon on my, somehow I squeezed his Nixon onto my, uh, my top 10 school movies list. I mean, he's true. Fantastic. Nixon. He was, he was Nick. Yes, the Tortellis. Come on, Dan Hedaya. But he's, but you're not going to tell me he's any, that he's not laughably ridiculously I, I didn't woefully think it was too bad what you didn't no more no no no, no more than pacino's doing in scarface yeah, yeah. that's that. also it's terrible same, he's doing the same <laughs> yes, that's thing. also a terrible movie <laughs> with a terrible <laughs> performance <laughs> listen you 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 put dan hedaya with that accent next to the dude who plays Bennett with the fucking chain mail. You mean you mean roid, roided out Freddie Mercury? It really <laughs> just looks like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> on also, we, we discussed uh, this too. He had a big uh, year because he was in Weird Science as well. 
that actor. Yes. Remember what Vernon is that actor's Wells? name? Vernon Wells, and he was Vernon he was Wells. Wes from The Road Warrior, Vernon which is a, that's another one of my favorite movies. Uh, and he basically re- reprised his role from that in Weird Science. And this, he sort of went in another direction and decided to wear <laughs> a chainmail vest and a dog collar. And it might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. What's your favorite Schwarzenegger movie, movie, Jason? My favorite Schwarzenegger movie. Oh man, that's a good question. Junior. <laughs> he was very good in Junior. My nipples are very sensitive. Uh, T two. Yeah, probably T two. But okay. no, I, I, I mean, this is really this Predator? is quite fun. Oh, Predator is very good. I think yeah, I maybe would say Predator. Predator is probably Predator. mine. Predator and the first Terminator, but the first Terminator just that's like the the best movie I think in my opinion. But I think my favorite. Yeah. Schwarzenegger in a movie is definitely Predator. One ugly motherfucker. Okay. I really like um, Total Recall because of the stupidity of it, just the broad, just the utter ridiculousness of it. But I have a special place in my heart for The Running Man because that, you know, I have to put it in in that sort of quadrilogy of like, here are the movies in which Schwarzenegger does and says things where he kills people with catchphrases. Yeah. It's this, it's Running Man, it's Predator, and what was the other one you mentioned, Total Fred? Recall. It's total Recall. Yeah. Yeah, total Recall. Uh, yeah. Total Recall. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, and there's a fifth one that's sort of an honorable mention Raw one, Deal. Um, and it's called Raw Deal. Yeah, which I, which I have kind of a special affinity for uh, as well. I don't like the Conan movies or Red Sonja. Because he doesn't do no. much in those. He doesn't say yeah. much and he just sort of sits there. And I, I don't like those movies. I think, I, I think um, he's funny in things like Kindergarten Cop and Twins. He's quite good. You know, but that wouldn't yeah. be, that's not like, yeah, those, those are fun. fun. I bet it's not yeah. definitive. Uh, Schwarzenegger. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. What's your favorite moment in Commando? The, the first moment of him carrying the tree with a chainsaw. <laughs> when I watched it the other night, I cheered. <laughs> I was in my den watching it. I'm like, yeah. The, the opening of the movie is fantastic. With that music that sounds like it's being it really played is. in the subway. And it's like, uh, oh, it's and he's, great. he's yeah. carrying the tree. And, and the ice cream and, and feeding the deer is the deer. just, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. That really yeah, that music is, is great. Like the syncopated, yeah. like minor key steel drum yeah, song. Yeah, the steel drum thing. So yeah. good. At first, I was laughing at it, and then I, I I had a note here saying, even the fucking music has won me over in this thing. I was like, then it just was like, it's just yep. the theme music. To, it's just the music to the movie, and I was like digging it. And, right. Uh, and so, yeah, the opening is hysterical, and then I think the whole plane sequence, like the, how he kills that guy, and then how he gets off of that plane mm-hmm. is fantastic. That's good. Yeah. Speaking of music, great. we might have a uh, a contend a contender with the Megaforce theme song because the last song of this, oh, uh, we so fight good. for love. Somewhere. Yeah. Somehow, someone. Those are the lyrics. Somewhere, <laughs> somehow, By the power station. That's it. Power, yeah, power yeah, station. Power station. Now, yeah. Oh, how funny! Robert yeah. Palmer, John Taylor yeah. from Duran Duran, Tony Thompson on drums, the legendary drummer. Some yeah. like it hot, and they do. Uh, yeah. They do something like it hot. Right, right, right. Isn't Sorry, what was your favorite moment? Yeah, um, what's your favorite mo- moment? No, then? no, no. I, I think, oh gosh, I used to love the when Ray Don Chong shoots the rocket launcher <laughs> in the wrong direction yes. and then turns it around and shoots it in the right direction because they all would have been killed unquestionably. Yeah. It's a rocket launcher and she shoots it and hits perfectly the uh, paddy wagon. And they're all fine. And not only are they fine, Schwarzenegger goes, 
uh, uh, like that as he's getting out. It's so fucking great. He's like, uh, uh. he can't even like cough in a smoke filled thing like a human. Like he has to like indicate what coughing might sound like. I just love that there's, there's a store do downtown that sells rocket launchers that happens. To, no, this is it's fantastic. Like a, it's like a regular yeah. army Navy surplus store, but in the back room they have rocket yeah. launchers. Well, and rather than break in, yeah. he uses a bulldozer, as you said, to crash into it, which is why all the cops come and arrest him. It's like, holy fuck, does this guy have no plan? He's not just making it up as he goes along. He's going, blah, I'm making it up as I go along. Here comes a bulldozer. You son of a bitch. It's just balls to the wall from the very fucking beginning. At first I thought, I was yep. like, huh, a garbage truck is a great metaphor to open this movie on. But it, <laughs> but it's but it's much better. You know, I was like, eh, babe, this probably isn't going to be a very good movie. But it's quite entertaining. Your luggage. Great story. Uh, years later, I was out of college and my grandmother, rest her soul, Ida Becker, was in Florida. And I was calling her up to check on her. She was living in Century Village. I said, Nana, how you doing? She's like, yeah, it's all right. I said, what'd you do the other night? Oh, I went to go see a movie. Oh, what'd you go see? Eh, we saw The Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I said, The Eraser. I said, oh, that's great, Nana. How did you like it? She said, eh, he erases people. What can I tell you? <laughs> That is fantastic. Every once in a while, the grandmothers would go to see something and you go, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Like, I remember my grandmother, my sweet grandmother, uh, yeah, rest her soul as well. And, uh, and her sister, my Auntie Helen, went to see some fucking Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry thing. And I was like, well, they came back from that, like, oh, we didn't like that at all. And I was like, what did you think there you was, were going to go There was no funny see? orangutan in this movie. <laughs> yeah, right? Where was Clyde? <laughs> they loved, you know what, you know what her favorite movie of this era was, What's my that? grandmother? Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, she loved, loved, loved Crocodile Dundee and two and Los Angeles. Three. Yeah. She That's was, perfect. yep. She, she went to, she was first person in line for all the Crocodile Dundee <laughs> movies. First Crocodile Dundee she is loved great. Them. It's very entertaining. It it's very entertaining. I don't know if it's great. It, it might a be a movie. poorly made movie. I don't know. It's just, it's very effective. No, it's good. It's tight. It's very, very no, it's good. Tight. It's very entertaining. He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. You, hey, you guys, um, before we get to the Sheila's, the time phone is ringing off the hook. Like you can see, oh, Jesus, the goo is squirt. Ah, come on. It's fucking time phone. It's all over me. I got to pick it up. Is it right? If I yeah, pick this up, this I thing mean, is squirting all over me. You should. This goo, I don't know. Why does it have goo in it? Yeah, hello. Hello. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, no, you're, you're perfect timing. Perfect timing. Good, good. Okay, yep, I'm putting you on. You guys. I think you'll know exactly who this is. Hello, welcome to the opening weekend podcast. You're you're uh, you're on the air calling from 1985. Hi, you guys. Did you see the movie? <laughs> yes, we did. Is this is this young Arnold Schwarzenegger? You got that right. <laughs> oh my god! Hello, Benny. Oh my god! Hello, did you like Commando? We, we really loved did. It. Did really? you like it more than Gaunen? Yes, and actually. Is yeah, that I hope that's you, okay to say. Of course it's okay to say this is a great movie. What did you think? What's your take on it? I, I thought it was great. I thought you did a wonderful job. You really took the genre to another level. I uh, enjoyed your yeah, scenes with Alyssa Milano. 
but that that's it. You just liked my you liked my interplay with Alyssa Milano and my feats of yeah. I mean, of bravery in the movie. I, I, I thought, thought your one liners were great. Funny. Yeah, very funny. You didn't see it as a psychosocial commentary on the myriad ways that the military-industrial complex has broken trust with the steadfast American serviceman, so much so that the rogue nature of his civil disobedience discomposes the entire sovereign devotee dynamic, which is so deeply ingrained on both sides. I mean, think of what General Kirby represents. And now that you put it that way... I mean, many people see it as a bleak tone poem, musing, if you will, on the complexities of cross-cutting ties between fathers and daughters amid the oppressive power structures of a society that is loath to accept the uniqueness of their deeply familial consanguineous connection. If you don't get that from the ice cream scene, I don't know what you're looking at. I'm going to have to look at it again. I'm going to have to watch it again with fresh eyes. I think you need to watch this again, I'm going to have to look up the word consanguineous. Yeah, that was, that was very good. You don't know what that means? I'm not sure if I pronounced it correctly. <laughs> Look, most be honestly, most people see this as an exegesis on mas- masculinity viewed through the lens of Reagan-era societal malaise, stemming from the systematic disambiguation of the very fabric of strict male authority structures and even hybrid modalities of maleness. For example, <laughs> Sully's bold insurgency against constraining societal norms is roundly penalized when Matrix, quite literally, single-handedly capitalizes on Sully's enfeeblement and decrepitude, dangling him over the cliff of his forced femininity, as it were. I mean, it's right there. <laughs> How could you miss it? Oh I, I, I think we need to rewatch it because I think you're right. I think you're bringing a lot of wonderful things to light. I think that. I think you better, gentlemen. It deserves. I think it's as much a meditation on masculinity as uh, the walls of Dan's room in 1985. (laughs) Well, that goes without (laughs) saying. I think we should, I think it should be treated as such. And uh, I, 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 I beyond thank you for your, your thoughtful and quite honestly perplexing uh, (laughs) views. You're welcome, gentlemen. Since it is 1985 from when you're calling from, have you been to Dan's room? at all could you maybe go visit i'm offended that my poster's not up there oh i'm sure next to posters of carlos cologne (laughs) with a fork in his brain but honestly it was cool when i said let off some steam bennett right it was incredibly totally cool totally cool that that wasn't in the script (laughs) i came up with that on my own did you just see the steam and feel the steam there was steam coming out you get it there's steam coming out of bennett i got it Oh, wow. Thank you so much for Mr. Schwartz from 85. Good, good luck with them. Um, Give it another rewatch. Good luck with, uh, are you, are you dating Maria Shriver at this point? Are you, have you married yet? Of course, of course. And uh, you know, m- maybe this, I- I'm starting to think that I have a future in politics. Oh, well, I, we, I don't want to spoil anything for you. I, I, I actually wish oh. you had more of a future. In politics right now, I wish, you'd, I wish you had been able to push that envelope just a little farther. I don't, we might be in a Sounds slightly different place. Yeah. Well. And Maria and I are going to make it all the way because we, our love will survive forever. Oh, he's gone. That was. He's a smart guy. Yes. I didn't realize he was such a smart cookie. He really is. It's like when Stallone you know? talks about paintings and shit. You're like, what? 
the hell do you know about anything? But, you know, these are intelligent men. I mean, look. He's really an astute theorist. After hearing everything that I say about the movie, I have to go. I I can't go any lower than than 10 Sheila's. I can't. There's so much to I this. I completely agree. I'm going yeah. 10 shields. I was, I mean, wow. originally I was going to go, I was going to do like a seven, seven and a half or something. That's the correct answer. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we, I think, all right. I'll go nine. I'll take one Sheila. No, away. do it I'll if you want. I'm, I, 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 I never no, thought there'd no, be a no, planet not like where seven. I would say seven and a half Sheila's for commando. So I'm going to, I'll give it seven. I'm going to give it seven because it's so wildly entertaining and such a, I'm going to go nine because it's not a Caddyshack. It's not a seven. It's not a six cents. So I'll go nine. It's not at that level of artistry, but it is so special to me. And it's fucking fantastic. Fred, did you get it? Fred, what was yours? Oh, You're I still was going to no, seven and a half. I'll do a, oh, you're gonna go seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. It's same okay, thing. It's, it's, there's so much nostalgia behind it. You know, it's, it's, it's commando. Well, that was a fantastic 20th episode. You guys, uh, uh, Commando was a, a a a big a big beautiful surprise for me, and uh, I'm I'm glad I enjoyed <laughs> it as much as I did. Uh, next week uh, we are staying in the 80s, and we are looking back to October 7th, 1988, and the films that weekend uh, were Alien Nation, starring James Caan and Mandy Patinkin, Gorillas in the Mist, starring Sigourney Weaver, and Punchline. Uh, the stand-up comedy uh, kind of expose, if you want to call it that, starring Tom Hanks and <laughs> Sally Field. Uh, so that's next week on opening weekend. And uh, what are you going to take us out with, Dan? This episode is coming out at a very special time in all of our lives. It is. Specifically in it your is. life. It is. Fred's bar mitzvah. <laughs> no, my birthday. Ah! 40. What am I going to be? 47? Rockin' oh, Danny M. See what I'm saying? I'll do a little happy, happy birthday, birthday to yourself. Yes. To how sad that off. we don't know how to do the hand farts so that we could do that for you. It's oh, sad it's that you right. have to do it for yourself. You can do it. You can do it. You can give me a little, you can give me a, you can okay. join in with a little, maybe a little wisdom or something. So you see what you can do. That's me. I can do that. Getting big. Happy, Happy birthday, you old today. building and loan. Now we do do, and now we gotta do. We fuck for you. That's it. That's that is the piece de resistance right there. That is the the shortest and uh, you know, but one of the most successful of your uh, of your manualist accomplishment. That was super quick. Endeavors. Do that one more time. I just want to hear it one Thank more you. time. You want to say it again? We've got the love. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need. Terrible. That's all you need. That's. There was originally a different theme song for Commando. I don't know if you know that, like, like the missing one that we found for Cliffhanger. Oh yeah, what was this one? And it was, uh, it was. Uh, I want to take you by the hand and make you understand. Commando. Commando. <laughs> yeah, but it got cut from the movie. <gasps> yeah, because he was, it was his own daughter. He was singing it too, and it was a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it didn't make any sense in the plot. (laughs) See you next week, everyone. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. 
Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening.